All right, what's up, guys? Uh, we're back today. I'm joined by the great Paul Martins. Um, before we jump into that, I have some stuff that I want to get out of the way. I need to plug myself a little bit here. I'm actually really excited to announce this. Uh, I decided what I'm going to start trying to do is kind of formulate these conversations to be, you know, helping people figure out where they want to go in life, how they want to get there. And a part of that is I'm going to be launching a digital course that's going to show you the process of how I kind of figured out what I wanted to do and break it down into the metaphysical ideas of how you can get there yourself. Um, so the first step in this process is making sure that there's actually like a need and want for this in the world. I think there is, but that doesn't mean that there necessarily is. So what I'm going to do is set up a Calendly where you can essentially uh, set up a time frame to talk with me for 30 minutes for an hour uh, free of charge just to talk to me. And, you know, I want to pick your brain. I want to see where you're at, what you think, um, if this would be something that you're interested in. So um, down below, wherever you're watching, I'm going to put a link for Calendly. Uh, so hit that link, set up an interview with me and let's uh, let's talk. Um, now that we got that out of the way, Paul Martin. Um, Polly, Polly D. Every time I talk to him, I always think of Polly D for some reason, but <laughs> I don't know if I ever it. told you that. Yeah, I'll take Polly D. <laughs> um, so Paul and I, uh, not really sure how we met, probably at the mountain house. Um, uh, I got the dog in the screen. And, uh, whenever we met, um, Paul, I guess in my interpretation of what Paul does is he's a little bit of a Renaissance man. He kind of does a little bit of everything. He's always kind of doing this or doing that. Um, I know he's thought about working on boats and I know he's thought about, and I know he's worked with like an app development um, at one point in time. And he's kind of just always on the move, so to speak. Um, I think he does some real estate. Um, so yeah, but we always have great, interesting conversations. So I definitely want to, you know, get Paul's mindset on, you know, from when he was a youngster and figure out, you know, how he's kind of navigated this world and got to where he is. So to start us off, Paul, um, you know, what's up? <laughs> uh, not a ton, man. So I'm, I'm going to go be a yachty next year. I know that's the plan for sure do at it? this point. Um, and I guess you kind of want to talk about how I got to making the decision of, of yeah. what I want to do. Um, so let's let's with that being said, let's start from whenever Paul was a, a little kid. You know, we're talking about five year old Paul. And uh, what was what can you remember what the very first thing you wanted to be was whenever you were um, a kid? It's funny. I got two dogs around me right now. I wanted to be a vet. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I grew up in San Diego. We went to the zoo like every week, you know, um, probably yeah. probably since I was one or two. Um, I love animals. I, I, I don't remember when I stopped wanting to be a vet, probably in high school when I realized how much school they have to go to. And I was like, eh, I'm going to knock out school. I'm going <laughs> to knock out this school thing really quick and be done with it. Um, yeah, but, uh, don't love them that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, vet, vet was the first thing I wanted to be. And then, so I guess whenever you're in high school, you realize that you didn't really want to be in school that long. Did you go to college? I did. I went to Pepperdine. Um, it's funny. My, uh, so I did, I did good in high school. School wasn't that hard for me. Um, I didn't work that hard at it, but I just kind of like figured stuff out and was good at testing. And so I got good enough grades. Um, and then I, 
there's this moment that sticks out in, in my life where I remember one of my best friends, Gunner, his mom was chewing out my dad at my graduation party because I was thinking about going to junior college because I was cheap and the price tag on Pepperdine was something crazy. And I didn't realize sure. that they give like, you know, there's a uh, financial aid packages. Uh, so I just looked at the price tag, whatever it was, you know, 50 grand versus 2000 bucks to go to the Cuyamaca college in my neighborhood. Of course. And, uh, and Terry Terhune, Gunner's mom was chewing out my dad and saying, don't let that kid go to community college, make him go. And, uh, really? yeah, it was, it was weird. I, I think that's kind of changed in the last 15 years or whatever. Um, for sure. But, uh, anyways, Pepperdine sent us a letter that said like, I got like 90% of my college paid for. So then it was kind of a no brainer. My older sister was there. It's on the beach. Um, and so I ended up there and took me a, a different, I that, I, I'm it, glad I went there for sure. It was a way better decision than going to a community college yeah. in my opinion. But, uh, I mean, being fiscally, that's a pretty young age to be like fiscally, uh, aware kind of of those things. Cause I know whenever I was going to college, the price tag didn't even like register really in my yeah. mind. It was just like, you know, it was kind of, well, I could go out of state to Florida and it was about the same as being in state in Pennsylvania. So I was like, Oh, okay. But like that, that scale, like that, you know, that's a, I don't think that's something that really registers in people's brain whenever they're 18 years old and getting into college. Dude, When I was six, I, I don't know why I was reading about this or something, or my uncle told me or something random, but like it stuck in my head that like soda costs nothing to make and it sells for okay. $2. That's the reason I've never drank yeah. soda. Really? Yeah. Like I, I was always like very focused on numbers. I think my family is like, they have a little like financial dysfunction, not like really overt, but when you're like, but like an unhealthy relationship with money. Yeah. It's just, we look at prices. I think it, I sure. think it goes all the way back to my, my grandpa. He had, seven kids and so i think just to like right. support his family they had to be price price conscious you know um oh, and then sure. went down to his seven kids and then there's like 30 cousins so we all kind of have a similar yeah. thing like if we get a sick deal some kind of discount like we tell everyone you know what i mean so it's yeah it's funny yeah. so i was always kind of price conscious but it's actually just kind of shifting now in my life way later. The, Were you starting to, what, what does that mean? Like you're starting to be like a little bit more abundant? Or? Yeah, I just, I think that's a great way to put it. I just, I think like the way our family looks at money, it all boils down to fear. It's the fear of running out of money. Sure. Um, yeah. And I think in a lot of my travels to, you know, places where people, everyone's living paycheck to paycheck it seems like it's just like somehow if you got some good karma and some skills and goodwill for people it just works itself out and like i've never been close to living paycheck to paycheck so it's like my, my right. fear is not logical it's just inherited yeah and i mean that's 
And so that's something crazy that we can even get into is like how fear is able to just motivate people into not motivate, but almost Scare. keep you in this like prison. Yeah. yeah. It keeps you in this mental prison of, you know, either money or, you know, certain things that you have to do. Yeah. Um, so do you, so then let's, I guess, I want to talk about that because it's a very fascinating thing to talk about and discuss yeah. because I have a very similar mindset that I'm starting to break with the whole scarcity of, around money. Yeah. Um, but let's, before we get there, let's step back into where you're at in college, okay. right? So what did you, so you got 90% off in college. Yeah. So I bet your uh, old mentality that your grandfather passed down. Yeah. Um, he was like, nice, you got 90% <laughs> yeah, off. <something> like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm proud of you, Paul. Uh, yeah, I mean, my parents were for sure. But like that whole thing is like based on a million different pieces of oh, data. Sure. They're like, they want they want you in college, but then they see how much money your parents are making and they they calculate like, okay, what will he reasonably come at? And then they offer you a thing, you know? But when you're 18, you uh, have, you have no idea how it works. You know, right. I, I figured it's, not, it's one of those things you don't realize till after you're, you're just yeah. like 90% off. And then you're like, your ego comes up and it's like, Oh, that yeah. hasn't made any money for five years. That's why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they must really want yeah, me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what did you study when you went to Pepperdine? Uh, so I went to Pepperdine and I was like a hundred percent focused on making the basketball team. And I, okay. I did. And then all the basketball players were doing this new major that they launched called IMC. It was integrated marketing communications. So basically you took okay. all business courses and comm courses, but you didn't have to take the hardest business courses. You didn't have to take uh, the crazy accounting course and whatever else was the most tedious course. So I was, a, uh, I took 80% business classes, but I'm technically a marketing comm major. Not that anyone's ever cared. Okay. <laughs> no, not that it's ever mattered. Yeah, not at all. I, could, I should have done psychology or something that I was more interested in. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, psychology is a crazy thing in general. Yeah. And that was definitely something I had thought about as well. Because, I mean, through our conversations, like, yeah. it's fascinating. But if you want to bring it back to fear, like, you know, there's not really, if you just have a psychology degree and quote, I could be wrong on this, but it doesn't seem like there's any of a job, much of a job market. Like you kind of need to become a doctorate to be able to use like a psychology degree. I think, yeah, it's one of those, like the world of academia, you know, or it's like, if you don't go to school yeah. for 10 years, no one pays you. You have to do your own thing really. Right. Which right. that's kind of how I am anyway. So I don't know, maybe me and you will oh. both end up being therapists. Well, I mean, if we want to go back to the thing that I kind of introduced at the beginning, I think there's a whole lot of psychology that I'm going to be putting into that digital course that I think yeah. will help people explore themselves. And honestly, quite frankly, I might send you it for free to get your opinion and see how you what you think about it I'd, and give me some feedback. on I'd it. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I think um, like I think we have a similar way of uh, communicating and connecting with people. And I think people like us, we kind of like have this desire to want to help people with stuff. Right. I, I think it, we're projecting. We're not sure what we want to do in our life. So we're like, we want to help other people figure out what they want to do in their life when we haven't even figured out what we want to do, you know? 
Oh. Well, and it's almost, it, I think, and it's interesting you say that because I feel like what I want to do with my life is help other people yeah. <laughs> figure out what they want to do in their yeah. life. Like, I feel like that's kind of my purpose, yeah. which is a really bizarre thing to kind of say. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, my way of, you know, I've kind of figured out, we've, I mean, we've both kind of figured out like a lot of stuff about ourselves and like figured out how this world kind of works per yeah. se. And it's like, I kind of just want to help other people be able to see that yeah. almost. And I feel like that'll be like, there's something there. Super, almost. super like, it's fulfilling. Like some, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And it'll kind of like build on itself or something. I hope, I hope you help a ton of people. Well, and because, so let's see here, because I know you help out with a, a high school basketball team. That's still, you're still doing Yeah. That? I coached for two years. Um, I love those guys. It was super fun, but uh, I'm not going to coach full time this year just because I'm. I don't know when I'm leaving and the season. Right. If we keep winning, it can go. I think into April, at least into March. Um, right. And I'm going to spend a couple months in the snow, so I'm going to be snowboarding. Yeah. But uh, if the way the yachting world works, it's kind of like you're planting seeds constantly and you never know what's going to grow. You never know what yacht's going to hit you up and say, Hey, we need you here. And it's usually like, right. We need you here yesterday. Like, right. I've never seen a job. Get on a plane. I've never seen a job listing that's planning for a month out. Like they're all right. at the most two weeks out, but it's usually one week um, or like right. as soon as possible. So you can't, really schedule anything that's like a long-term commitment. So I'm definitely interested in talking about it. Cause I think that's a fascinating world. Yeah. Uh, before we get there, yeah. let's try to reel it back into cool. Pepperdine. Yeah. So you went for a telecom communication, you played basketball. Yeah. Um, what was your plan? Like maybe around junior or senior year, what was your plan after that? Were you going to get a job? Like, what were you, what was your mindset? I still didn't. Um, it was basketball. No, bas so basketball was over. Mind. Basketball lasted two months and I quit. Um, oh, really? Yeah. It was, it turned the thing that I loved the most in my life to that point, besides, right. you know, my family, a couple people. Sure. Um, basketball was the next thing I loved the most. It turned it into a job. Um, okay. So, it was cool for a little while and it was fun. I got to play with Reggie Miller for two weeks. He came and practiced with us and you got kind of like, you know, in like a little weird way, you feel like a little famous playing basketball at college. And, and then all of a sudden you're like, Holy shit, I'm waking up at 5. AM again. I'm missing this party. I'm missing that. And then the cherry on top was Pepperdine. I think like 95% of their student body goes and studies abroad at some point and more than something, something around 50% of them go for their sophomore year. And so even before you get to Pepperdine, they're pitching you this study abroad program. You apply for okay. it. I applied for it before I made the team still in tryouts. And then I'm on the team. And then two months after being right. on the team, they tell me you got accepted to go to Germany, Italy, or Argentina. And you, you have to do a $5,000 non-refundable deposit by 
November 5th or something, if you want to go. And so now I'm even remember now I'm looking at, do I want to try to play basketball and make this really serious? Or do I want to go live in Italy? And it was funny because my sister spent her sophomore year in Germany and me and my family went and visited her there. And still some of her best friends of life are from that year. And, you know, I talked to her, whatever, once a week or a couple times a month. And she was in Sweden and she was in Spain and she was in Egypt and she was in all these cool places. Um, And I was like on a basketball team where the average guy was like six, six, a lot of like guys that can jump higher than me that can shoot better than me. Like I was 18. I don't think I had chest hair yet. I was like number 18 out of 19 guys on the team. I was like, am I ever even going to play? You know, it was a D one team versus go live in Italy. And then on top of all of that, it was like the coach was a, it was, he was a first year coach. He came from like a, sure. He came from a junior college that dominated and then this was his first year in D1. And so he was like trying to prove himself. So he did this whole like football hell week style where he just screamed mm. at everybody. And like the penalties were like five at five. We had to wake up at 5 a.m. and run five miles before practice. And like, right. it was just like, and I came from a shitty high school program. I had never been coached hard. Okay. So I was soft. You're kind of just like natural. You're just like naturally gifted and everything kind of just flowed. And so whenever a coach that was I was good, maybe I was arguably good. too regimented. Yeah, I was good in high school. I was used to being one of the best two or three players on the court all the time. I was used to never right. sitting on the bench. And then I went to immediately, and I was used to a coach that didn't make us work hard and wasn't really that right. good of a coach. And so it went from that to this crazy drill sergeant i was the worst player i thought i was never gonna play and (laughs) it was my first two months in college and all of my peers not the basketball players who were mostly like 22 all of my 18 year old peers in the dorm were partying meeting girls doing all this stuff and i was like just exhausted because my body had never been through this level of a physical you know training and then they were right. like, oh, do you want to go live in Italy or do you want to keep doing this? And I was like, all right, I'm done with basketball. So I, fold, I folded yeah. pretty quick. Um, and then, yeah, I went to Italy sophomore year. Well, do you feel like you like and so it's interesting, right, because I think my objective with this is to find what you love. But did you just find that you no longer loved basketball the way it was or like the maybe you still loved basketball, but the environment that you were in? was not cultivating that same appreciation for it. No, I don't look at it that way. I love, I still love basketball. I was not prepared and I, I didn't have a good understanding of, of what was about to happen. I, I, and looking back at it, I still say it's like one of the biggest regrets of my life is quitting that team. And part, I mean, Part of the reason I did was because I looked at it the wrong way. I said, I have to do basketball or move to Italy. 
And that wasn't true. I could. Okay. And the reason I thought that was because I had a $5,000 non-refundable deposit to go to Italy. But I still, I okay. still could have right. paid that deposit, played basketball for the season, and at the end of the season made a decision. I didn't. Okay, I didn't so, need to quit then. Yeah, so you didn't even make it to this. I got you. So you didn't even make it to the season, I'm, right? So you could have decided. I could have decided at the end of the year. But well, so here's what I'm yeah. thinking. Do you think the your fear of money kind of came in here, yeah. where you saw that five thousand dollars as well? If I pay this, then I have to exactly. go. And I didn't. Yeah. And I. Yeah. I did. I. Five thousand dollars was just saving my spot. If I decide not to go, right. yeah, the five thousand dollars gone. But it was a fee to save my spot, which I should have been happy to pay, because it's not like I had to pay. Like it's college; it's everything's a loan. So like, I right. finished paying my college loans five years ago or something. But like, in the long scheme of in the big picture, like it wasn't five thousand dollars; it was sixty-five bucks a month sure. for the next ten years. That was didn't really matter you know right. so i should have stayed on the basketball right. team but i was soft i was i wasn't prepared i mean it, it's funny because but at the end of the day co coaching yeah. in high school basketball i'm coaching under this head coach who's in his 41st season or something and he's like uh he's an intense guy he's a screamer he coaches hard he loves hard he's he's just another level that i didn't experience i didn't experience his level until i was 31 when i started even when more, i started coaching with this him. is even more than pepperdine yeah if if i would have he's even more extreme uh not the way the practice is structured but the intensity mentally because emotionally he, yeah and emotionally every year there's been kids crying in practice because because he wants he wants to break down. He's a, he's an amazing psychologist, I think without even realizing it, but he gets to the point where it's like the metaphor of life. Like what is sport compared to life? And for him, his metaphor for right. basketball is like being there for your family. And his thing is like, gotcha. if, if you're not mentally locked into the game and you leave your teammate out to dry, what kind of person are you? Like, you, you you don't care about the team you know it's really gnarly for a 16 year old but yeah but dude that's but it helps them grow up that's powerful because it's like oh real fast and, or, like self-awareness is another one you know you got some kid who's not a good shooter shooting a million shots he'll be like are you not aware that what you're doing is not the best for your team and then it's like so you're selfish you're, you don't care about the Jeez. team you just care about yourself. Jeez. It's it's gnarly, but like That's gnarly. I love it. And then sometimes every once in a while parents will get in there and be like, You're being too tough on him and he's like, You think life is gonna be easy on them? He's gnarly. I love him. Yeah, I, that's lo crazy. I love him. Yeah. But my that's my deep, point dude. is if I had him from fourteen to eighteen years old, I wouldn't have quit. Because he would have toughened me up. Yeah. And I would have I would have been a more mature, wise eighteen year old. Than just like a yeah. soft guy that was I mean, just like ready to quit, you know, like oh this is hard, oh I got a more fun option, screw this, right, you know? right. Yeah.
taking the taking the path of least resistance exactly. you kind of it sounds yeah. like yeah. yeah versus having that having that kind of figure or that coaching figure that's like well you know you're putting into something that's bigger than yourself like it's almost um it, it, maybe it's almost like you kind of had an ego or these kids even kind of have an ego of like i'm going to shoot a million shots because i want to be the best well, i mean ev- in reality, everyone has it's like, an ego see how you fit yeah. in oh yeah. for sure i'm not saying that they yeah. don't i'm just saying it's it sounds like what you're saying, like this coach is able to, to point to you and say, Hey, this is your ego. You need to get rid of this for the betterment of the team. That's exactly what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it sounds like, you know, that was, that was something I guess maybe that you kind of took to college almost and, and didn't like see the bigger picture. Is that a fair, is that a fair assumption? I mean, again, we all have egos, but no, yeah. you just don't think you were pushed that hard. Yeah, I was just soft. I was yeah. just soft. I wasn't ready for that level. I went from like a level two intensity to a level ten. And if if yeah. I had gone from a level six to a level ten, I probably wouldn't have broke. But a two to ten was just too much. Oh, no, that makes yeah. sense. That's actually probably a great way to explain yeah. it. Is that you kind of need to slowly like you can't just. You know, you can't just uh, metaphor I would use for my life is like, you know, three years ago, I wanted to be traveling the world, living in Brazil. And it's like, you can't just, you know, throw that on yourself. Like there's a whole bunch of things that needed to happen between in those last three years that, you know, needed to get me ready for this whole adventure, you know? Well, so I'm the yachting thing kind of goes with me. These dogs are freaking out over here. Um, They're getting happy with uh. With full-time travel. So, like, my my big macro goal for the next 10 years of my life is to travel to 150 countries, which is okay. which is 90 more. Um, and I'm, I started dating a girl who's going to come and travel with me and work on the yacht with me. And she's been to two, and nice. she's been to two countries. Um, nice. So, that'll be eye-opening for her. Yeah. And so, I'm trying to, like, ease her in to... Like the way I think about travel and how I like to do things. Um, you know, I've slept in a lot of airports and train stations and I usually don't book accommodation. Like I show up in a city and figure out where I want to be or how long I want to stay. Um, and for some people that's like more nomadic. It's a, it's a lot of, it can create some anxiety, you know? Um, Oh, for sure. And uh, so we've been like doing little trips and we still haven't like not booked stuff. uh, I mean, for her, it's just about like getting used to being around people that don't speak the same language or like seeing a certain level of poverty or like not having a car, just like little stuff, you know? Right. But I think kind of like little comfortable things slowly, but surely you can work your way into being comfortable with being in Mozambique and not knowing where you're going to sleep, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, is that becoming comfortable being comfortable on being uncomfortable thing? Yeah. Or, or being comfortable with the unknown. It's just like, Oh, being confident that you're going to figure it out. And like, sometimes figuring it out, like it might not be the most, ideal or comfortable situation but like it's gonna be fine at the end of the day it all works itself usually 
<laughs> I mean, we're all still, so we're how still did that, here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? It's something like, yeah, it's something like, uh, uh, it's something like there's nothing to worry about unless it's the, it's something like if it, there's nothing to worry about unless it's the end, but if it's not the end, ah, uh, damn, I'm losing it's all it. Good. I'm not sure if you've heard that before. I don't know that one. No, or whatever yeah. we can drop yeah, it. Yeah. It, it. It's it's like if just Google it real quick. Uh, you need it. You yeah. need a Jamie. It's you a, need a Joe Rogan Jamie. Yeah. What is it, Jamie? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's nothing to worry about unless it's the end. Quote. Nah, I'm gonna. Fuck uh, it. We'll figure it it's out. All good. Yeah, everyone can. Google it if they, if they care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious though. Yeah. So with like your girlfriend and everything, did it whenever, so like, is it, what's your perspective on that? Like, did she want to kind of adopt this mindset that you kind of have, or was it more that she like, are you guys just like energetically compatible and it kind of just, you could see that she had wanted that before, or did you kind of introduce her to that idea? And it was just, like the idea that love kind of just encouraged her to do it. Like, how would you, well, we're not, then this we're might not be a really bit... doing it yet. I, so we, we just, we met in March and okay. so that was like a year into COVID and before COVID, I was like, I was a hundred percent dead set on like this traveling to 150 countries until like, until I get to 150 countries, I'm not thinking okay. about anything else besides that. Like, I'm not Committed. I'm not evaluating other options anymore. Like, I had just finished another business venture, and I was like, I don't want to be focused on business. I'm going to take off and travel, probably another 20 or 30 countries with no plan, and we'll see how things go. But I really have my head down to like go and see most of the world. Um, and That's so that, awesome. that was a year before I met her. I was like a hundred percent locked into that. And then COVID happened. Okay. So I was still locked into it, but I was just waiting because I thought visas and everything would be a pain in the ass. Um, and then I met her. And when I met her, I was, not like holding back on that story. Like I just said, this is what I'm doing for sure. Sure. And then we just fell in love really quick. And so there, there wasn't much of a conversation because I never had to tell her, I, like I never had to like break this news to her that like, I'm not going to live a regular life in the States and work a regular job. Right. Like she knew from day one that this was the plan. And I never, I right. never faltered and said like, Oh, well, maybe now things change. I'm not going to do it. I was always like, if right. things work out with us, you should come with, you know? Yeah. And so right. there was never a conversation where it was like, eh, change of plans. I'm going to stay here. And I, yeah, you were purely honest about it all and just stay committed to your true self. Yeah. We were still, we were just talking about it last night and like she, ha she has some worries about it, you know? Um, of but she, overall, like she's pretty fired up and she's excited to go and explore too. Um, right. But it's just, it's new. It's just, it's for new. her, it's just a little bit of fear of the unknown, you know? 
it's like of we're course. really very we're really compatible here in our comfort zone and like we pretty much never fight everything flows it's like the most healthy relationship i've ever been in for sure but could that change when there's fear of the unknown and we don't know this and we don't know that and our environment changes and we have less control um i think it will but we'll see well you can well, i mean yeah. you know nothing snag now yeah. right the only thing in this universe that is consistent change. is change yeah. that's one of my favorite things yeah <laughs> and yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good yeah. quote um and what and so where was i going with that it's like you're almost kind of i i guess and what i'm hearing is it sounds like you're starting to feel that like uh like i don't want to say it's not flowing but you're starting to feel that like angst yeah. kind of coming out which is completely valid right yeah. and so to relate it back with what you were saying earlier this sounds like you're kind of you know that process of let's say her comfort zone is that too and maybe you're already at that 10, you know, like you said, yeah. you can just go on a plane tomorrow and be in a different country and then just figure it out. Trying to meet in the middle there yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like just slowly kind of bringing them up, her up. I guess. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, it sounds like she wants to, right. I'm not trying to say like you're controlling almost, but just like, it's like, yeah. well, this is what I'm doing. If you want to be a part of it, I can guide you on these micro steps to kind of get you there as well. Yeah. That, that's pretty much what we're doing. And I mean, it just all comes down to trust. I think she trusts me a lot and that's why she's willing to go for it. Which is important. But what, I mean, what I always, whenever you, because when you've traveled a long time and you've done it like I've done it, there's like a shitload of people who hit you up that are like, how do you do that? How do you do that? And like the main thing I just remind them is just, you can just come home anytime. So like you just go. Right. You figure it out. If you don't figure it out, come home. If you don't like it, come home. If you run out of money, come right. home. Like that, you know. Well, that's you don't, okay. You don't so that's a that's that a big much. one. It's this mental thing where people, I don't know, they just right. kind of get stuck. You know. Well, and so I think what I would what hits me right, like we let's bring this back to the money because you even brought it up again yeah. the money aspect of it. Yeah. I think is what hits me the hardest. You yeah. know, it's something I'm working with in my life, yeah. trying to adopt that more abundance mentality. Yeah. Um, you know, and maybe this also helps like figuring out. Let's if we go back to your process, right? So, like, what after college and I'm, i kind of want to try to lead this towards like money obviously i don't want you to like disclose whatever you're comfortable with yeah. but you know how do you you know kind of how are you able to do that so and i guess a part of that is like after college yeah. did you so you quit the basketball team maybe that's maybe this is the transition we make would you just go back to college and we'll yeah so we'll get to the money aspect so first off i've had i i mean i'm not rich i'm not a millionaire um i but I think I've had like 10,000 bucks since I was like 14. I, okay. I was babysitting like my six year old cousins when I was 12, you know, and my uncle would pay me like okay. 30 bucks when I was like 14. No, I probably started working for Dan Smith. One of my buddies, dads doing painting demolition ripping bushes out like whatever he wanted you know for eight bucks an hour in the summers okay since i was i think i think i started working for him when i was like probably 12 too so i just okay. always made money and saved and like in college i worked in an italian restaurant i tutored little rich kids in malibu i babysat some kids i just always 
did a little something. Um, and then right after college, I, I got my real estate license. I started selling some houses. I started flipping some houses. Um, was part of a couple teams that built some houses. So from 22 to 28 years old, I didn't make a ton of money, but I made an average amount of money for a kid from California in his twenties working. Um, and I just always kind of saved at least half of it. And I, I always lived in like, you know, a house with like six dudes. So it was like a sick house, yeah. with like an ocean view. But th- if the average rent was a thousand bucks, like mine was 700, you know? So like, I right. always like live a little bit below my means and just work a little bit. And then, and then I started buying stocks when I was in college too. Um, that so helps. I think that helps. Uh, so was it mostly just like wise, I guess, savings and investing at the end of the day? The savings and investing is like what I mean. It's that's pretty pretty simple, you know. People are, how do you do that? It's like, well, I mean, I always had like an inexpensive car, inexpensive rent, and just made average money, you know. Right, and. It's like, what's, what's the most important thing to you at the end of the day? And then like, you know, uh, it's like, well, traveling. Yeah. Alone. A lot of those dollars turned into, you know, $2 or $3 or $5, just not with any like crazy crypto or penny stock investing, but with like buying Amazon, buying the S and P 500, buying Apple, you know, Kind of the simple, just simple, the stuff. simple stuff. I mean, I I pay a I think it's a hundred bucks a year to this service called the Motley Fool. That um, they're like full time. They dig into different um, companies to invest in, and so instead of right. spending a ton of time doing that, I just try to spend three or four hours twice a month around the first and the fifteenth, and I read about what they recommend. I listen to their podcasts. And I buy stocks of companies that I think have a really tiny chance of ever failing and have, you know, a good chance of growth based on what these professionals say. So I, I, right. You just try to find the ones that are stable and then are in a market that's expanding. Almost. Exactly. I think it's gen- generally conservative, you know, but if the market goes like it has been, then it's like your money goes three X or five X and you're comfortable. And then I, and then I don't need to make a lot. I keep working, but now I've kind of shifted from like before I did real estate because it was fun. I got tired of it. I got tired of sales and negotiating and business. So now I'm making a little money working on boats or I'm a, I'm a certified scuba dive master so sometimes when i was traveling i would get free accommodation and barter and help the dive shop move around tanks or follow people who needed uh, a little extra help while they were you know 30 feet under the water Um, so instead of spending a thousand bucks a month on an activity like scuba diving i was doing it for free Right. That kind of deal. Yeah, that's actually yeah. yeah, you kind of are setting up everything that you kind of want to do. You you become 
it's almost like ties into the beginning when I was calling you a Renaissance man. It's like, you almost figure out how to do all these like little things. So that way you're able to then just jump into wherever you want to go and then use your expertise in those fields to a do what you love doing. Right. Yeah. Like if you love scuba diving, become a, a master at it. So then you become valuable to the people who do scuba yeah. dive. So now you're kind of help them out to, um, you know, stay for free at places and, that kind of goes into stretching your dollar farther yeah. because now you can just leave your money and keep it investing as opposed to having to sell these stocks and then pull it out and then do all this other stuff. Exactly. Like that. That's the idea. So then do you think like, so and then it sounds like, you know, from the age of 12 mm -hmm. until maybe the age of 28 or even 30, yeah. you kind of, this did you kind of work in waves like where there was like periods of time where you'd work a lot and then you vacation or was it all pretty consistent? Um, I guess you could say waves. I mean, you could say from 12 to 28, I worked whenever I could, whenever I wasn't in school um, or whenever okay. there wasn't like some really fun option or something I was excited to do. So like, you know, from 12 to 22, I worked in the summers, random nights after school, and maybe weekends when there wasn't any fun parties. And then from 22 to 28, I worked a pretty regular schedule. Um, but real estate's funny because you, a lot of it you can do from just your phone, communicating with people or texting pictures or sending a DocuSign all this kind of stuff. Um, so I worked probably like pretty regularly, like Monday through Thursday, nine to five, and then random stuff on weekends. But there was a lot of times that I just like took a month off or whatever spontaneously um, because it wasn't, wasn't like corporate America or something where I had to be in a certain place at a certain time. Um, right. I don't, I don't know if I could do that. I guess everyone has their price, but I don't think I'm going to, sure. I don't think I'm going to get paid enough to do something like that. Probably. I mean, I think one of the biggest traps that I think our society has fallen into is the idea of trading your time for money. Yeah. Um, because I mean, how much like, you know, how can you actually put a dollar amount on, you know, time? Like how can you say one hour is worth X dollars? Right. Like, I mean, for so many different reasons, you know, they're just printing money like crazy. And then on top of that, it's like, well, every hour that you spend doing something, you're never going to get that hour back, you know, whether it's sleeping or going to the gym, doing an interview, you know, it's yeah. like, so how do you even quantitize, you know, that hour down to a, a, an amount of money, which is even out of your control, right? Like, I think, I think that's something I'm kind of coming around to is like, I don't really want to, and maybe this is an interesting perspective to bring towards to you because it sounds like you're kind of, I don't want to say you're still doing it almost, but like, I guess with like the boating stuff, you kind of are, but you're traveling, right? So you're, you're still, See, but the boating thing, so I, this is, I'm, I'm not doing it for money. I'm doing it because right, I want it for the I'm travel because I want to do it. And it's not just for the travel, the, the travel is a piece of it, but it's also like, and I figured this out in the scuba diving world. It's about, it's about who, who are you spending time with? And like scuba divers, yachties, ski bums, those are my kind of people. Like 
they wake yeah. up in the morning and they're like, all right, I'm going snowboarding or I'm going scuba diving or I'm on a boat because I want to get to a place that like you can only get to if you're going to spend a hundred grand to charter a boat, you're a billionaire and you can buy a boat or you work on the boat. I don't have a hundred grand right. to charter a boat. I'm not a billionaire. And so the only way to get on that boat that's going to the Arctic or that's going to Tonga to scuba dive or that's going to these places, I got to work on it. So it's not so much for the money. Um, right. But that does help. It's a, it's an added thing. But like the reason I'm doing it is because I want to do it. The money's just an extra perk. And I think it, and to me, it sounds like it kind of comes back to your original, you know, your, your one goal, your one idea of, I want to, I need to visit 150 countries within the next 10 yeah. years, you know, like I think that being your, your clear motive, right. That trumps the rest of the stuff. It's like, Oh, I can work on a boat. Like I don't need to pay for the travel. I don't need to pay for my housing and I get paid to travel almost. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, you get to trade, you got to trade your labor at some points and all that exactly. stuff, but, but at a macro level, at a macro level, you're, you know, kind of, you're, you're executing on that goal without even with such low overhead yeah. almost. Yeah. I mean, I, I could go and travel for, for probably, I have a spreadsheet that's like a run out of money spreadsheet. Like if the market goes to shit and this and that. Um, yeah. And I don't work. I could travel for probably five years, maybe more. Um, but now, now with Michelle in the picture, she's younger. She has less money. So it's like, all right, well, let's go get a job. And that way we can both be less worried about money. Because I kind of, you know, right. I took the last however many years to like realize that if I need to make money i can just go make it where when you're younger and you haven't made that much money because you haven't had that many jobs it's hard to wrap your head around well we're just going to go and travel and like spend money on airbnbs and spend money on fun stuff and like but we don't have a job we're just going to run out and you don't realize like, right. there's a lot more opportunities that will come to you. Like, you know, there's right. a million people, it's that abundance. There's a million people making yeah. money online. I don't know if that's what we'll end up doing, but like you can make money in scuba diving. You can be a tour guide and a lot of the world. You can just go work in a bar. Like there's, the, there's ways there's to make it happen. And if you get to a point where you're down to whatever your comfort level is, two grand, five grand like you're feeling like i'm really scared of running out of money then you just go to a cheap place and you figure out where's the next place you're going to make money and a lot of people in this world like right. they go pick weed in northern california and make you know seven grand a month for three months okay now i got 21 grand or they go work in fishing in alaska some of those guys make 10 grand a month and you're in beautiful Alaska learning a new skill and doing something with nature or they go do a scuba diving job or a skiing job or they figure it out. Like, right. We're human beings are pretty capable, you know? 
Th- there's yeah. lots of no, that's for sure. There's, there's probably ninety eight percent of the population has like less access to like an easy life. Like we're first world kids from California with with two yeah. parents who love us, a big family. We we're lucky enough to be like friendly, active people that have a hundred friends that we can hit up and say like, can you help me get a job? Like I'd be willing to bet that right. me, you or Michelle in the next three hours, if we pretended like we had zero dollars and we had to get a job, I bet we could get 10 jobs in the next three hours. We might have to be, and we, maybe not we might even. have to be a gardener. We might have to do something, but it's like, right. we're, we're not going to run out. Like our little fear in our head, it's right. just about like maybe our ego and like, well, I don't want to take a job that's below me or something. But it's like, who? what's below you? Like every human's doing some kind of job. Nothing should be below you. I think a part of that voice, though, is also like it's the voice that keeps you alive. Yeah. You know, it's that voice that's like, hey, you do need because yeah. don't. I, and I know you're not saying this, but it is a very valid concern of where am I going to get my next meal? Where is the, you know, my money going to come from? And it's a valid concern, uh-huh. right? But it's that it's being able to, I'm just saying in general, I'm saying in general, it's a valid like thought process. But yeah. I, the caveat with this is saying that you need to kind of, you almost need to be able to view like all the opportunities that our world has to offer. Yeah. And on top of that, on top of that, we're the most adaptive animal on planet Earth. Like there is no animal that's as adaptive as us. It's why we're at the top of the food chain. And it kind of goes back to your point is like, you know, you can learn all these new skills. We have all these opportunities to do new things. And it's just at the, you know, it's as long as you have an internet connection, which I think like 90% of the world at this point has, um, maybe that number is a little inflated, but I'm pretty sure like over 90% of the world, even in poor countries have access to like a cell phone. Um, I'm pretty sure the number, uh, maybe I'll look that up real quick. Just so, uh, (laughs) Hey, can I, uh, I'm going to run to the restroom real quick. I'll be back in a minute. All right. All right. I'll have to entertain people. I got it. How many people have access to the internet? Okay. So it's a little bit off with this number. Um, Right here, I have 4.6 billion people have access to the internet worldwide. Um, that's 60% of the global population. Uh, oh, how many people use the internet? Uh, that was January 2011, 2021. Um, of this total, so what is that saying? There were active internet users worldwide. 4.6 billion were active internet users worldwide, 60%. Of this total, 92% access the internet via mobile devices. So, okay, maybe there is a little bit of a gap there with 60%, but, you know, and so uh, not really sure where to go with that. Um, Paul just left, so I guess I got (laughs) to keep you guys entertained for a little bit. Um, Yeah, so I think that's super fascinating and definitely something. um, I'm definitely glad I looked that up so I could give you guys the accurate information on that one. But yeah, I think uh, I think what that um, what that entails. We'll see what Paul has to say about this as he's coming back yo, now. Yo. Could you hear me as you were walking no. away? So I found that sixty percent. It's actually sixty percent uh, of people around the world use the okay. internet, and of that sixty percent, ninety five percent of them access it via a phone. 
So, okay. yeah, but I, I so I, I guess we're it not. Could be eighty or ninety within uh, who knows five years, ten years. And pretty yeah. soon, I mean, what 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 uh, Elon's working on with SpaceX, they're trying to you know get internet available to every spot in the world. Really? You know, with uh, yeah, okay. it's uh, what's it called? Starnet, I think it's called Starnet. I'll have to ask my brother. He's working on the project. I'll have to bring him. Oh, on your brother works at uh, to talk about it. Wow. Yeah. When did yeah. he get that gig? He's uh, he got it just before I left San Diego. Oh, cool. So maybe three or four months ago, four or five months Good ago. Good for him, dude. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, he's loving. How many it. people he's, work for uh, SpaceX? That's a good question. I wonder. There's um, a thousand. Let's go back to the yeah, internet to search for that. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's that no. many. Um, Where is he working? Oh, yep, it is a lot more than I thought. Ninety five hundred. He's in okay. LA. Cool. Is yeah. he going to get to come visit like, you in uh, in Brazil? I don't yeah. know. He hasn't, dude. He's so busy, really? man. Like, you, yeah. I think Elon expects people to like work his crazy work life of like sixteen hours yeah. a day. Like, yeah. You know, he wants those people that are passionate about what they yeah. do and like have that drive towards what they for do. Sure. So I might not even be able to, I might not even be able to get him on yeah. a podcast for two hours. Wow. Um, okay. Well, hopefully, hopefully Elon gives him a little time off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to hit him all. We'll be like, dude, let my brother talk oh, yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but, but this is actually an interesting transition back. I'm going to flip it back to whenever you came up with this idea. You you said to yourself, "I'm going to travel 150 countries in 10 years." Yeah. What did how how did you? Because I feel like that's kind of like your like your passion, right, or your um, your mission in life right now. How did you kind of come up with that, and like, what did it kind of feel like whenever it occurred? Um, I th- so I traveled from 2016 to 19 pretty much the whole time um, without much of a plan. And when I came back, I like, I just, I never liked it back in San Diego, living at home as much as I did traveling. I just didn't feel as alive. And so I came back because I had a breakup with a girlfriend and I wanted to be close to family. Um, and then I thought, okay, three years was enough. I'm going to start making money again. I sold some houses. I moved to downtown San Diego. I mean, life's good. Like it's, it's fine that way, but it's not great. It's just good. And, just and good. so there was a point where it was, it's funny. I actually, I ended up at my mom's house and I was just crying to her that like, I don't feel that good. Like, I don't, I don't like life here that much. Like, I just feel like it's so focused on chasing money. Um, and I'm going to go travel again. And, uh, it's fun. The next day she got shingles because like, I, Damn. I, I was, I was crying. I wasn't like a little bit. I was like, I I've been here for six months. I'm trying to be happy. And like, I'm just not like, and my life seems great. Like there's nothing wrong. I was with in it. San Diego. Like, I, I make a good living. My schedule's 
super flexible. I'm surrounded by loved ones. I'm doing fun stuff all the time, but I think I just get bored with like the same routine. The, um, yeah. Even though my routine is like, it's, it's more variable than like a nine to five person. Like it's changing every day the way I was doing that, you know, seeing sure. different properties, meeting different people, but it just wasn't, I think I just got addicted to like the new sounds, new smells, new learnings, like all this stuff when you're in different countries and you're like learning about crazy history of some culture that you didn't even know existed, you know? Um, mm. And then I think also going back to like that tribe, that group of people, the scuba divers, the ski bums, like I, I miss those people and their stories, you know? Right. Um, and how they kind of, I was just, I was just bored of the, the, like the classic American or like first world thing, like go to school, make some money, find a partner, get married, have kids. Like that story at right. that point in my life just didn't resonate with me. So I, yeah, it's like we've, this is, yeah. A, so I decided I was off again and then COVID happened and then I was like, all right, well this time sucks. So I kind of pivoted a couple different things happened and, but I just dug my feet and I was like, all right, when the time's right, the time's right. Like I'm not giving up on this idea. Um, and yeah. then I was going to leave multiple times. One time the dating app, basically a chance to make like what I thought was maybe a couple million bucks and like for sure eight grand a month that came to me and it was doing something new, like kind of in tech that was exciting. That was also on like mm -hmm. a list of priorities in my life, which was like start a company with a small team. Um, Right. So I actually had an opportunity to go work on the Motor Yacht Elysian, which is the yacht that's owned by the owner of the Boston Red Sox. I was going to go okay. on that, but then there was this little money opportunity. So that stopped me. And then four months later, they offered me that again because I made friends with a handful of the people that work on that yacht. But then I had met Michelle and we'd only been together for a couple months. And I was like, I'm not ready to bail on this girl. I want to see where this goes. So I didn't take it again. And so it's like, I'm just like waiting and waiting. Now Michelle is like, she, we're going to have Christmas with her family in Idaho. And so I keep pushing it back, but like, I'm not giving up on it. I'm like, I'm doing this because I know it's where I feel the most alive. I know where when I have one way tickets and I don't have a plan, that's when the most exciting shit happens to me. Okay. Yeah. That's where like, you just feel alive and just everything. This, this unanticipated stuff happens. The people that just come into your life that are just like, have wild stories, like that aren't like the people that I meet here. I love, I have tons of friends who I love here, but like, I don't meet like a random dude from Namibia who left when he was 13 and has, you know, <laughs> been to everywhere and is inviting me back to his house, you know, right. to like go to his, sister's which is interesting. Place. It's like just crazy shit happens that to me is like so exciting. 
it's so like it resonates with your core at a at a fundamental yeah. level. That'd be a way to put I it. I guess. Yeah, it's just kind of like I I'm just a little bit addicted to like um I guess like variety. You know. The and change, change the adrenaline, the, like, kind of the comes adrenaline of like not knowing what's going to happen and then something ri- really something, random and something cool, cool happens, happens you know um I, yeah i just read uh yesterday i actually just read a book uh the alchemist have you heard of yeah, it yeah that's a great book have you yeah. read it you read it yeah i read that uh, okay in year of high school that this teacher had us read it it has tons of good really? books in it a lot it's Oh, dude, it's insane. It's Paulo Coelho or something, right? He's a Brazilian guy, isn't he? Yeah, Paulo Coelho. I found out real quick. I did find out that he was a socialist. I was, I was telling this chick about it. We were going to, we were going to read it together. And she was like, oh, that guy's a socialist. So he was out. (laughs) I don't want to read it. (laughs) Yeah, she was out because of that. I was like, all right. But like, I eventually got to a point enough people recommended it to me. I was like, all right, I got to no, read it. It's but, great. He has, um, he has a couple really good books, but yeah, I, that one has stuck out to me. Yeah. A lot of books I don't remember, but that one, there was tons of quotes in that where it's kind of like one of them is like bad exists so you can appreciate good, you know, like just little wise sort of okay. things like that. Yeah, I kind of what I took away from it because uh, I just read it yesterday. I read, or I guess, audiobook okay. technically, but I just listened to it all yeah. yesterday, and I just found that, um, like the the metaphorical like structure of it all, and like the way everything kind of like flows, and like this kid going on his path and his journey to find his purpose, and then you know, I you know, to me, it was just about those like intricacies of like the way, like that the world spoke to him kind of thing was what I kind of took away from it the most. And I just, I hear a lot of it kind of in your story with how you're talking about how you need to travel and go find things. And you found like, you know, your passion. And at the end of the day, that's what I want to help people find is like, you know, what's your passion in this world? What do you, what do you want that number one thing to be, you know, and then kind of everything else, um, We'll kind of feed off yeah. of that and kind of go yeah. with it. Cool. So with your with your app though, uh, what what ended up happening with that? Because I remember I tested it and stuff, and then I remember yeah, you thinking that you were going to leave at some there point. There was basically a conflict between the people. They they okay. hired me to. They're like venture capitalists, so they have their hands in like twenty different businesses, mm-hmm. and. This business that we started talking about in 2016, this guy's like a good family friend. He's closer. He's a closer friend to my dad than me, um, but I think closer in age to me. So cool, buddy. Still a cool buddy. He does a bunch of different business deals. And I was just giving him shit that like, how come nothing's happening with this? And like the answer is he makes a bunch of money doing a bunch of different businesses and he can't focus on it. So I was like, I'll focus focus on it if you want. Like I'm, I'm into this idea and like, I'll be a hundred percent into it. And so this conversation was like over a couple years, it was literally over five years. I think I closed him on paying me when I sat down at a lunch and read him a timeline. And I said, we first talked about this on, I have the date because I have a, I take notes on a CRM, you know, 
And I yeah. said, we first talked about this before I left to travel in 2016. I left, I went to yeah. 30 countries. I was gone for three years. I came back, this happened, that happened, COVID happened. And you still haven't done shit with it. It's like, you're never going to do anything with it because it's not a priority. And you need someone who it is their priority. And uh, right. so anyways, and there was also three other people involved who I'm not really close with. I'm just close with him. So he vouched for me. He brought me in. And then what happened was they said, this is going to be your baby. We're going to have meetings once a week, but you're going to know everything about it. You're going to be focused on it. And, you, you know, you're going to lead the charge. And what happened was within two months, I was one of the guy's assistants. I became an, like, I became an assistant to a guy. So you were a CEO? No, I, no. Like, it sounds like essentially what they were doing is establishing you as the CEO. No, is that not no, what it was? Because of, because of egos, they don't want to give me that time. They're older, they're rich, whatever. But if they're just venture capitalists, it's not no, like... But they, they like to they like to say that it's their business and, and they're building it. So they're not. I feel like I I feel like I see the conflict already. Yeah, but no, I maybe I'm. No, I'm the, not, the conflict was. The, I'm not a venture capitalist. There, but they were paying me twice a month, and I had stock that vested monthly. So I was like, okay, cool, I'll do it. So I was an assistant yeah. for a couple months, and then at a certain point, I kind of I went back and I said, I'm an assistant to this guy, who is he he works for like five or six of their companies so i'm like once again okay. he's not focused on top of that he doesn't understand the demographic like we're a dating app he's been married for 15 years he was right. married when the internet started <laughs> and he's a developer he doesn't it, so it was just kind of it yeah. was just kind of like I'm a software engineer, man. I, I like, get it. Again, you can, you can say, mm. I'll do this because you're paying me, but like, it's not going anywhere because there's no leader here. No. There's, yeah. It, it, no, yeah. no one is taking. So anyways, long story short, we didn't come together as a team and it was done. Um, it's right, yeah. it was cool. I, and it was another thing with me with business. I, usually at, there's some point where I get frustrated and I'm just like, we're not on the same page. I don't want to spend my life negotiating about things like right. to, to me, right. negotiating. Some people think of it as like a fun challenge. And like, I guess I used to in my early twenties and now I just almost see it as kind of like a waste of time and like frustrating. And I'm just like, yo, I want to go do stuff. I don't want to just talk to you about, you know, you want more, you want me to have more? Right. Like, we're just going to play this whole game. And it's just like, if you, it, I mean, it all depends, right? Right. What you're negotiating over. Yeah. Like if you're negotiating over like the way you want to implement something and everyone's on the same page of like what the bigger picture is. I think that's one thing. If you're negotiating about like a car deal, for instance, that's another thing. And, you know, kind of to your point, like I'm not going to negotiate. Whenever I sold my car, I was like, I'm not negotiating. Yeah. Like, this is the number. I know how much this is worth. This is it. I went to like three people and it wasn't until the third, like the guys were like, oh, well, we give you our best number. I'm like, all right, then peace. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not going to yeah. do it. And then it wasn't until the third guy where I was like, here's my number. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 we'll do yeah, it. yeah. And it's like, 
it's to your point. It's like if you're negotiating about like the price and it's like like a thousand dollars here, a thousand dollars. It's like, dude, you're not like we're not doing yeah. this. Like, I don't care about my ego. Here's the value of well, it. Like, well, let's hey, just do this. it goes back to the time. Like time is your most yeah. cherished asset. To me, it's the most important thing we have. And it's like, I don't want to spend my time talking about money that much. I don't want to spend my time, you know, I don't know. I just got tired of business, I guess. I think I'd love to do business if the team was like incredibly on the same page and like incentivized Mm -hmm. correctly and the structure was set up. But most of what I've seen in business, and I've only been involved in like, you know, really small business, less than 10 people on a team is it's hard to get people on the same page, you know? If you have like an, e- I mean, and that's what you need an effective leader for. Yeah, and it sounds like you're 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 the power structure, the hierarchy at least that you were in. I don't want to call it a power structure. I guess it kind it of is was. A power but structure. At least your hierarchy. Yeah. Well, the hierarchy you were in, everyone was just so like spread out on six different projects. It was. Meanwhile, you're the assistant, and you're the only one that's dedicated to this project. It's like. I mean, in my few years as running a business, like it just doesn't, that doesn't work. You can't like, especially at a startup stage of something like, and I I knew it wouldn't work, but they didn't tell me that I was going to be an assistant. And then I, and and then I think they would, because of how their egos work, they're like trying to protect my ego and they don't want to call me it. They're trying to protect your, yeah. It's like, they don't want to, they don't want to call me an assistant. And I was like, guys, I'm an assistant. Uh, I'm just doing what he wants me to uh, do, which is not what I think we should be doing. Like, I think we should focus. Gotcha. I think I should be focusing on this. And you're telling me to do this. Yeah. This is not my expertise. I'm not the right person to do it. And you guys are overpaying me to do it. And so why don't you let me do what I, well, it's not time for that yet. And it's like, well, then you shouldn't even be paying me yet, but you don't want to say that because you want to get paid. <laughs> yeah, so it, yeah anyways, of course. It was a little of bit of a clusterfuck, but everything's a learning, a learning thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, what was the, what was your big learning experience from that whole uh, situation then from a business? Maybe that you just don't like business. No, I like business. Um, but I think that if you're going into a business with any level of apprehension, there's something you're not clear about or you're not confident about, you shouldn't do it. I mean, you need to be able to see the vision. Unless you need the money. I didn't need it. I did it because I thought this could be cool and I think I could make a lot of money. But at the same time, I already knew that there was structural, some structural things that were incorrect about it. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Yeah. How it's set up. Yeah. It was, it, it just, the people weren't focused on it. They were spread too thin. Um, and the real decision makers, they were making too many decisions about too many things where they lost bandwidth. And this was, this was never their priority, which is why five years later it was nothing. And I was trying to say, let it be my priority. But right. then they had to get. But, they but then re- they had to give me some power, and they never, they were never willing to give some. And power. they didn't want yeah. to. That's so crazy. Yeah. To me. That's so crazy that they were willing to like just throw money at it 
while trying to keep it in their name yeah, almost. But, but, like, did but, you have to clear? But it's all relative, you know what I mean? To, to yeah. them, they threw money at it. But like, would you be willing to throw $8 at something? Yeah. So for them, however sure. much they were paying me was the equivalent, you know? I guess it was their name that they cared more about their name being at the top of it kind of deal. Like, did they, did they want you like everything you had to do get cleared through them? Is that what like kind of happened? Kind of. I, I, um, we don't, we don't have to go deep into it if you don't no, want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm down to go deep into it, but I, I think here I'll wrap it up this way. The main thing that I took away from that and a lot in business when, when, um, business partnerships don't work out is that people are hard to understand sometimes. And when you put money into it, it makes them even harder to understand. And it's just like, if, if you're not really, really passionate about the problem that the business is trying to solve, then there's a good chance you'll just say fuck it at some point because it's not easy. Okay. Making money and building stuff and collaboration with people isn't easy. And so if you're not like some of the startup books that I've read, it's like, if you're not willing, what's the metaphor that I forget who made this metaphor, but it's stuck in my head. It's like, if you have a co-founder, and they're not someone that you would want to be in a trench with in a war, then don't do the business with them. You know what I mean? That's if interesting. It's just, if it's yeah. just someone who's like, you know, maybe you have uh, some some skills that align or you, you think you can do it together, but like you don't really care about them and you don't, you don't want to go to war with them, then it's like, that's probably not the right person, which I don't know. A lot of people would, a lot of people would argue against that, but I'm kind of like, I don't know. My, my, my first business, my, my, I had another business relationship that ended after two years. And that one was a, a friendship that turned into a partnership. And like, we, we couldn't do both. He couldn't do both. Once we became business partners, the business partnership, was over the friendship and it hurt my feelings because I wanted, I wanted to be like brothers. I wanted to still be really good friends, but he couldn't be friends and business partners. One had to overtake the other. And the, the, why do you think that happened? Like, are you able to go into that a little bit more? Um, I don't know why that happened. I think it happened. I think it happens because, it's kind of the same reason why like I encourage my family not to do any business together. You know, we're like old school East coast, Irish Italian. And it's like, everything's like the family business. Like, Oh yeah, you can get your brother to work for you and this and that. The thing that happens is you used to have a friend come over and drink a beer and talk about whatever. And that's all they were. And that's great. But now they're walking in a room and immediately your brain starts thinking about that money you were going to make or that conversation you had about this other deal or this or that. And 
you can't be in friend mode anymore because there's always loose ends to tie up in business. And so there's always, it, it starts creating a gray line around your relationship yeah. of if it's, if we're talking about business or if we're talking about friendship and, and it's, yeah. And it's really hard to do. And so with that friend, it was just kind of like, we used to have amazing conversations about life and family and goals and all this kind of stuff. And then now that we were making money together, that's, that's what we thought. That's it what we thought it. about when we were together. It became the priority of our yeah. relationship. And ultimately when I ended it, that's I what I told him. I said, I, I still want to be your friend. And I think what's happening is we're not friends anymore. And I don't, there's no really? amount of money that's worth more than our friendship. Just change it. Yeah. Right. I would rather have a friend, you know, and maybe there's some friends that can do it, but for us, it wasn't, we were the French, yeah. the friendship suffered because of the business relationship. And it was cool. I'm glad, I'm glad like, that I that, realized that because now I can call him and we can have a talk for a couple hours about his kids and how life's going and he'll be curious about my life. And it's great. And so you can kind of move, you can move past it then essentially you just weren't able at the time to be friends and in a relationship and in a business relationship. Yeah. Together. We couldn't do both. So I'm, I'm glad. I, I mean, I'm glad about all of, all, 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 glad that it worked out the way it did. All of those experiences, all the business experiences, I'm glad because they led me to a point where I think I'm, I'll be, I'm more patient and able to be much more selective, opposed to just saying, "Oh, that's exciting, I'm going to do it." Like, yeah, that's exciting, but which but, is but good. Those a thousand other opportunities. You want to, you want right. to pick. There's no shortage. Yeah, you want to pick one that's exciting and well-structured and you're passionate about it and, and it's someone you want to be in the trenches with like all those things you need all the dominoes to align before you're able to kind of pull the trigger I, on it or start I flicking so. if you have the luxury and you don't need money right away i think you should be patient yeah yeah i mean you know i guess there's even I mean, I guess then what's the goal then? Do you want to, you need to be able to set your life up in a way such that you are able to be patient to wait for them? I, I mean, well, I don't know. If your goal is about making a certain amount of money, that's different. My goal is about doing things and going places. So right. the money doesn't have to be tied to it. Like, if it costs a hundred thousand dollars to go to the Arctic, but I don't have a hundred thousand dollars, then I got to figure out another way to do it. You know, so go, go work right. on a boat. You know what I mean? Go get a I'm, boat thing. I, I'm How not did you trying get a... to get a certain amount of money. I'm just right. trying, I'm just, I trying mean, at the end do, of the day, I'm just trying to do things that I'm excited about. Yeah. Right. It's about that process of just continuously being excited, exactly. right? If you're working a mindless job, making a million dollars a year, but you're nine to five or even a nine to six, maybe, and your mind is just completely trashed for those, you know, 40, you know, 50 hours yeah. a week. It's like, what's the money actually worth, you know, because you're killing yourself nothing. trying to make money. Money's, money's meant to be used. 
it's meant to be spent. So if you're just saving it and it's just sitting there, all it's really doing for you is what making you more comfortable or giving you making you more giving money. you some level of security. <laughs> but like if you're not going to use it, I don't know. I mean, yeah. and then at a certain point, it's a detriment where you start to look at really rich trust fund kids whose parents don't figure out how to whatever, teach them life skills that, you know, healthy people learn, then, you know, there's, there's certain like rich families you can dig into and you just see like, all right, they're, these people they have, they're just going to give their kids a trust fund. And from a young age, the kids know this and they realize they don't have to learn anything. They don't have to work for anything. And like, we all know where that goes. Human, yeah, it's human, never, never they pretty it. much can never handle that. And they, some, something bad happens nine times out of 10. Which is, which is interesting, right? Because I don't know, because I guess the way I kind of look at it is like, the reason I want to make money yeah. is so that I have the freedom of time in order to do whatever I want to do. <clears throat> Which right now, so, but right now we're doing what we want to do. So you are, so you correct. already have that. Correct. But I guess I'm trying to tie it back into, Oh, I definitely already yeah. have that. I hundred yeah. percent agree. I have yeah. that. Um, I guess I'm speaking of where my mindset was, yeah. was it was always, well, I want to have money. So I have the freedom to do what I want yeah. to do. And here we yeah. are. So my, so what gets weird with me is like, why does this happen with these trust fund kids where it's like, well, now you have the freedom to do what you want to do yet. They are almost, it seems like on the outside perspective, I have no idea. I don't really know any trust fund kids from an outside perspective. It seems like they have almost been robbed of that ability to do what they want to do because they already had the money, but money gives you all the time. gives you the time. I think there's some ego and self-worth stuff maybe. You know, it, if you didn't like build anything, I feel like it's just kind of like eats you up a little bit. Hand it, it's almost like handed it's to you. Two handed to you. And then you kind of just get a vibe from people that they respect you a little bit less. Or that like, I had a buddy who was a street orphan in a poor, very poor country and ended up getting adopted by a billionaire. Um, and he wasn't, he's not the only rich kid I know that had trust issues, but right. he, he only trusted his friends that didn't know that his dad was a billionaire who didn't know that he was rich. That's interesting. And once they found out that the relationship changed and he looked at them differently because he was thinking, well, they might be using me. So th That's there's all kinds of stuff. That's, it'd be cool to find a site. It it'd, becomes a person. To it'd person. be cool to find a psychologist who like specializes in like trust fund kids and stuff like that. Because I'm sure there's all kinds of dynamics going on in their heads, um, and should I do a quick and research? Re relational <laughs> dynamics that it's probably fascinating. Because, I mean, but on a certain level, it comes back to like our evolution, and 
the idea that like we survived, we evolved and we survived because we're able to deal with problems and solve problems. And now, and now in the first world, arguably we don't have problems. So we're making up problems because, because because food is easy. Shelter is relatively easy, you know, and Mm -hmm. those are the two main problems for surviving. So now the next thing is like, but it seems like we've made money, right? Or is that what you're going to get? No, I mean, yeah, but that, like it money is it's all a construct it's like what is it for what are you using it for and it well if to you, quote if you, elvis presley absolutely yeah, nothing <laughs> if you're using it for food and shelter but you already have food and shelter or that was war. Yeah, then you don't need it I, yeah i don't know yeah I don't know, a, um no i get yeah. what you're saying i'm, I'm yeah, yeah, a joke. yeah yeah yeah, I guess uh, I just put in a Google search for a psychologist for trust fund kids. So I'll uh, do some research on that and see if I can. You should try to get you uh, find one to yeah, bring on the you show, should, dude. You should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that'd yeah. be dope. Um, I've talked to a couple, or I guess like one or two psychologists. I'm trying to get on the show, but it's hard, man. People just don't have yeah. the time. Yeah, you got to yeah. set up a drip and follow yeah. up with people, and then as you grow, yeah. you have little clips that might pique their interest make you know different marketing things to get people excited yeah there's definitely i think there's definitely a lot of clips from this um this that will definitely be uh i'll need to make some clips of that's one thing i haven't done is create a lot of clips which i think would probably be pretty helpful for marketing purposes of the of the cool ones that uh you know you've seen seen little joe rogan stuff interesting that stuff Yeah, dude, he's my he's the blueprint that I'm essentially following. I think for, um, you know, getting getting people. Yeah. But I guess I guess I feel like I focus there's a, a lot little of, bit more there's on a lot of those guys now, though. But yeah, yeah. I I mean right, and so I think what I was about to say is I specialize a little bit more in figuring out the process of how do you figure out like what you want to yeah. do more as where I feel like he's a little bit more like you know learning about the specialty in particular versus um the process of getting to figuring out that specialty might be like the small difference yeah i guess it's a you're a little different niche you're going to be talking to people who have figured it out or haven't figured it out all his people have figured it out mostly I don't know. You could argue yeah, that no one's figured out anything. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's honestly where I operate yeah. for him. I operate from the perspective like, I don't know, man. Like, I'm enjoying doing this podcast. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy making this digital course. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, who, what, like, what does it even mean kind of to figure yeah. it out? You know, it's like, I, you know, maybe you figure out yourself or something like that. Like, I could say I figured out how to listen to myself, but I mean, even that, that's a ever growing process in itself, yeah. you yeah. know, for sure. Cause there's just a whole rabbit yeah, yeah. hole. Um, but dope, yeah. dude, uh, let's see here. We went through your entire, entire life, I believe. Right. Mostly. So you were, yeah, yeah. mostly yeah. figuring out the process. What are, what are the plans from here? I mean, what is your, like in the spirit of, um, in the spirit of trying to figure it out and in the spirit of what motivates you and what you're trying to do. I mean, it sounds like you kind of covered it, but like, what's your, uh, 
I mean, other than the whole big idea of 150 countries, do you think yachting is going to be what gets you gets you there? I mean, yachting might get me to, I don't know, 20 or 30 countries at the most. So that means I still got another 60. So okay, yachting is just kind of a cool deal where you can, you know, maybe work six months a year, work for two or three years and then take a year off and then go right back into it. It's more like a flexible um, way to make money and travel while getting paid. Um, but, but, you, but, but I, also, get into that? I also love the, just being on the ocean makes me happy. So yeah. you get into it by just getting a shitload of experience. You take a couple classes um, and usually in, in Fort Lauderdale in Palma de Mallorca, Spain, or in Antibes, France. Um, okay. And then you just network until you get on a boat. Which okay. The first one's the hardest by far, like any job. And then once you've spent once you've yeah. spent a year or two on a yacht, you've met a ton of people and made a ton of friends, and then it's way easier to get employed because you've you've proven that you're not a weirdo. You've proven that you work hard, that you get along with people, and that you're you're in um, the little the little yeah. yachty club, you know. But until until sure. you've done that, you're just trying to find any way possible to prove yourself. So like, I volunteered to do to deliver boats with people for free, you know, a guide some. Some guy's bringing his yacht from La Paz back to San Diego and up to Seattle. I'm like, I'll I'll spend a month for free helping you bring your boat doing that. You know what I mean? So now you can talk to a yachty and you said, oh, I did that. You know, Um, literally anything of value. So the scuba diving, obviously, that differentiates me a little bit. Um, My girlfriend's a fitness trainer. So if you're on a big enough yacht that has a gym, they'll want a fitness trainer for either charter guests who are just on there for a week or two, or some billionaire wants a licensed trainer on there or a masseuse, or you could become a chef or you could become a helicopter pilot. Like it's endless options. You you basically have to prove that you're valuable and that you have some utility to the, to the team. And you kind of have like this wild, rounded nature, almost of you know multiple things you bring to the in the table. beginning. You pretty much have to, um, and, yeah. And to then once you it. prove that that you're likable and that you work hard, and once you're kind of in the club and you have some good references, then you specialize, and you either you, I specialize how so. Uh, so there's three main departments: the interior, um, which is the bottom is is a steward or a stewardess, which is you know basically doing cleaning stuff inside, uh, you know acting as a waiter, maybe a bartender, cleaning, doing laundry, anything inside the boat. Then there's the deck, which the bottom is the deckhand and the top is the captain. Um, and then there's the engine room, which you have engineers, so you learn everything about motors on different boats and you maintain them and you fix them and you change the oil and all that stuff. So that's, those are the three basics. 
I mean, you could add on like That's little cool. niche things, like if the boat is a scuba diving boat or has a has a air compressor and scuba tanks and all that, then that would be like a little sure. small subset. But that's probably only five sure. or ten percent of boats of yachts. Um, or if it has a helicopter pad, it can be a helicopter pilot or sure. that kind of thing. I mean, and then there's the and then there's the galley wild. too, which just means the kitchen. So if it's a big boat, okay. there could be one or two chefs and four or five sous chefs. Or if it's a tiny boat, it could just be one person making all the food. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's interesting how many variety, I guess, of things are, you basically have your own little house and it's basically a house on the it water. Is. It's got everything. I mean, the big right? boats, you can have a crew of 20 or 30 and that could be 10 or 15 guests. So it could be 40 people or this guy that I went up to Newport beach and met, he's, uh, he's getting, what is it? It's a 27 meter one. So like a 90 foot boat. And, uh, he just Damn. wants to have three crew. There could be a fourth, but probably just three. And then a maximum of seven guests, which would be him, his wife, his three daughters, and maybe one of their boyfriends and a friend or something like that. Um, but that's like really tight, you know? Um, so, that's a small one. You know, and then, and then there's the sailboat versus the motorboat world. So sail yachts are... Okay there's a different style to them, you know? Um, and you have to like culture or the way it runs, obviously. Both. but I mean, culture too. It's culture. I mean, sailors are like, if you have a sail yacht, you're into sailing. And so you, you need to be competent and you need to understand some of the rules of sailing. And there's a whole nother language of sailing, you know? So that's a whole, that's a whole okay. other category that I'm, I'm pretty fascinated with. I'm pretty sure that I want to at least spend a year on a, on a sail yacht. Um, Check it out. It's just so cool, man. It, like my, my ancestry is Portuguese. Um, and, you know, the fact that they got all around the world just with wind power is so cool. <laughs> you know, it's pretty it's, fascinating, it's, right? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, just using nature now, you know, and now the toys they have and the technology they have, like you can just be ripping through the ocean with no power besides the wind transporting. It's pretty fascinating. Tons of people. And, you know, and then there's like in the, so the, the first week class you have to take is called the STCW course. And it's like, um, basic firefighting, CPR, um, survival at sea, like all this different kind of like basic survival techniques and stuff. And uh, I met this guy who's really into tall ships, which is kind of like a whole nother category. A tall ship, it's like okay. old wooden boats, you know, like a, like a pirate okay. boat. So, you know, yachts are like luxury okay. rich people living this, you know, decadent life. But tall ships, most of the people who are really into them are kind of historians. Like they want to live like people okay. lived a couple hundred years ago. So they're living very old fashioned, in, you know, wooden boats packed in and like, you know, no TVs. Is there any electricity? I was going to say. I mean, there's all different kinds of boats. Like 
you know, there's different boats doing yeah. different experiences. But when someone says tall ship, it means they're more into like the same kind of boat that would have been operating 200 years ago. Something you see like in the Pirates of the Caribbean something, where it's just like all wood. Something and... like that, which, you know, I, I'm pretty sh- Michelle wouldn't want to do that, but like, I would love to go do that for like a, for like <laughs> a month or something. You know what I mean? I don't think, I yeah. mean, and then in the same thing, like they're more historians. So there's not a lot of money in that world. So there's not much money. to right. be made. It's usually a bunch of like hippie kind of historians, like trying to live the old way. You know what I mean? Um, God, which, it's like the hippies of yeah, the yacht. Which, of the which yacht could world. be really cool for a month if you're in a sweet place, but after a while, it's like there's some nice things about 2021. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we evolved for a reason. For sure. And then it's like with the yachts, you're going to eventually get into the toys. You know, these guys are buying like $20,000 electric skateboards on water. You know what I mean? Like, you used to have to okay. wakeboard behind a boat. Now you just press a button and you're out in the ocean by yourself yeah. freaking surfing around. And like this kind of fun stuff is going to be so cool to get into. I saw there's like a, uh, I need to look this up. I think it was the military, but they had like essentially an Iron Man suit that was like water propelled where like out of your hands and off your feet, you know, it would be pressurized yeah. so that you could like kind of basically control yourself. Like, you know, essentially like, Iron well, my Man. buddy works for the guys that uh, ran a business. It was just out of the feet. It wasn't out of the hands. Um, but it connects to a jet ski and you can fly around and it operated uh, right yeah. by your house in North mission beach. I think I've seen it before. Yeah, He worked for them for a couple summers. Like, I mean, there's all kinds of fun stuff like that, you know, that, Right. I mean, I, right. one of my friends, Nikki, who I met uh, scuba diving in Thailand, she, she's she been on yachts for, I don't know, five or six years or something. And she ended up on a yacht that's got a submarine. And she started learning about the submarine, okay. and now she's in submarine classes. So she's a, she's a submarine pilot now. So she, with three people and a little ball, goes down a thousand feet underwater. You know what I mean? Like, she's not a scientist. She didn't go to school for this stuff. I mean, nah. now you could argue she is a scientist, but I mean, uh, yeah. you know, that's unreal. Like who knows? I would love to end up in that direction. That's like so niche that it's, it's hard to try to make that happen, but um, it's definitely not impossible. Crazier things have happened, you know? I mean, if it's, if it's made for you, I'm pretty, I believe that it'll find yeah, you. you know? I, I think it might, that could be a really cool thing. I actually had a buddy. I lived in Roatan, which is a, an island that's part of Honduras. And, um, it's funny. Cause every time I tell people this, they're like, no, no, it was, it was just a <laughs> private business. These two guys built a submarine and they took down, they okay. took down just civilians, just random people. Um, a thousand feet underwater, they would usually, sometimes they would like strap a dead horse or a dead cow to it because then the sharks would come up and eat it. Uh, so you're in, you're in okay. something that's smaller than a car with two or three people with Jeez. an animal strapped on it. That's a similar <laughs> weight to that submarine. 
and then you drop to a certain yeah. level below a sea shelf where like one of the most ancient animals on the planet, a six gill shark comes up and eats yeah. right there. Just like, just is biting. You know what I mean? So it's like some Damn. wild stuff. And those were just like, they were, I mean, kind of, it's all relative to me. They're like genius scientists, but they were just regular dudes that yeah. partied with on an Island. You know what I mean? And they thought it was just fun to, and that's a sick business to be able to just take people down. It's such to, a sick business. You know. They worked, they worked, I think six months a year. And the other six months they would go do cool shit, like rock climb and go on jungle adventures and this and that. And then they had like a strict, maintenance schedule because you're constantly maintaining the thing because the amount of pressure on it under that much water yeah. is, is a crazy amount of pressure but uh right i mean you the guy was my age i think he went to penn he's a cool he's a cool really? dude my ex-girlfriend still in contact with him and he lives in i think tenerife off the island in the atlantic spanish island but like just like a normal dude I think my age or maybe just a little vibing. younger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's so many wild things like that you see out there, you know? So with the yachts, yeah. is it mostly um, like one person owns them? Cause you were kind of mentioning that like 15 or 20 people would go on. Is it usually like corporate yachts or is it more like one person owns them and then hosts it's, events? I mean, it's pretty. The terminology is charter or private. So like the okay. yacht, the motor yacht Elysian that I have some friends on that I got offered a couple short-term positions on, it's owned by the owner of the Boston Red Sox. And he goes on it maybe a couple months a year total. So he'll do like a, lo a long okay. weekend here, a two-week trip here. And the other 10 months of the year that he's not on it, no one's on it. Not no one. The crew's so the, not... the, the crew is on it, maintaining it. So the, so there's okay. no guests. You know, there's crew and there's guests. So the guests are either right. the owner of it or charter guests, which means they're renting it. So, so then he would have a private yacht, and then can the, the private people, when they're not using they, it, make it a charter can. yacht? Yeah. So it can be it can be okay. just private. It can be just charter. And if it's just charter, it, it's really a business. You know what I mean? And You're then right, there's private right, right. trying to make money then off it. Then there's private slash charter, which is like a person who has a house and Airbnbs it when they're out of town. You know? Right. So right. if you're if you're on a charter yacht, it's it can be it's usually harder work because every two weeks you're you're trying to give these people maybe the best experience of their life it's probably the most spent money they've ever spent in their life on a week or two. And so, and so they want they everything have to be perfect. high expectations. If it, but yeah. then again, if it's private and the guy's on it all the time and he's a billionaire with really high standards, that could be extremely hard too. But if you have a really rich guy right. who's really chill and who doesn't spend that much time on it, it could be the most mellow. That's kind of. That's the optimal. That's I mean, kind of the optimal, of but, that, then, right? but then you don't get tips. Because the, char the okay. charters can make two or three times more money than the private. If 
if they're char if okay. they're charters, they get big tips. But you're working way harder. I so see. It just depends. There's all kinds of options. Yeah, it's that trade off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I think uh, you're at least associating yourself with people that have extremely high net worth. So, like, that has to be valuable in some rights of its own. Mostly, but I think it's pretty. Um, it's pretty. You don't really talk to them, I guess. You might, but it's a little old school in the like the help. You're the help. You're not. Gotcha. You're not hanging out with them on the yacht. You didn't get invited. You're working for them. Right. You know what I mean? It's, right. And it's, right. And it's more sense. hierarchical than like a restaurant where someone comes to a restaurant, you're a server, they might talk to you and you might end up having a beer with them after your shift. I think that's less appropriate in the yachting world or just not, or just okay. not appropriate because it's, you know, right, if it's gotcha. private, like I think every once in a while there might be a rich guy who's really cool that wants to get to know people. But in general, it's kind of like a royalty servant kind of situation. Right. You work for me. I, I think, yeah. you know, yeah. and obviously there's all kinds of levels to that, that it might be crossing a line or inappropriate or it might be chill and, and super simpatico. You know, it just depends. You can, yeah. yeah. You kind of never know. Exactly. Well, but, cool, dude. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, the next step. That's what that is. I'm gonna go spend a couple months in the that's your next couple step. months in the snow snowboarding. I'm gonna go out to Puerto Rico for Fuck a couple yeah. weeks. A buddy just invited me. Um, so Michelle's coming out there. We're gonna play tons of volleyball. Uh, Fuck yeah, yeah, dude, that sounds sick. Good. And then a couple months in the snow, maybe a couple yachting classes, and then back to the travel life until we land the first yachting job. Nice, yeah. bro, dude. I'm, I'm excited too. I can't wait to hear yeah. about it. How long are you down there? Yeah. Um, I think I actually might be back in San Diego uh, the first few days of December. Okay. Um, yeah. So I I have this Airbnb until November thirtieth, okay. and then uh, December I think first through four I might be in San Diego, okay. and then I'll be in Anaheim uh, because there's a jujitsu competition. So I'm gonna do okay, that. So that's that's why then, you're cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a real. It's not to come see you. That's of hey, me too, man. I'll take it. I, I'm just no, I think I'll you. be around, probably. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll yeah, see what yeah. happens. You're gonna probably crash. It's meant to be, you know. That's the yeah. plan, but you know, I'll figure out when yeah, I get yeah. there. You know, it's exactly what we were just talking yeah. about. You know, it all it all work itself work. out. So what's the uh, jujitsu thing? Is that just a a big goal for you? You've been training for it. Yeah, I've been yeah. training. Um, I mean, it's a big reason I came here was to train jujitsu with some yeah. of the best in yeah. the world. Uh, yeah, and so it's it's the biggest tournament um, that they've got going on. It's uh, it's literally the world championship. Okay. Uh, they're hosting it at Anaheim, sure. the ninth through the twelfth, okay. I believe. Yeah, exciting, man. Yeah, yeah. So the plan is to do that, and then I think afterwards, I don't really know what I'm doing that next okay. week. I might stay in Anaheim. Might come down to San Diego. You'll figure it out. You know. And then, yeah. And then the goal from there is I think like that next week, I'll probably do Christmas with the cool. family. And then after that, I think I'm going to head back to Brazil nice. or maybe go to like Eastern Europe or somewhere. Yeah. You know, maybe I'll talk to you about where I should go next. Somewhere, you know, dollar goes far. I can learn some cool yeah. stuff. I'll figure Don't it know, out. man. There's Southeast. Have you done Southeast Asia yet? 
I have not. That is a good I point. Go, I've go not done Southeast Asia. If, Southeast Asia. If, if, you're, if you're thinking there's a chance you're going to do this travel thing for like a year or more, potentially, even even if it Ideally. even if not right now, but at some point in your life, I would I'd go to Thailand or Bali. They're just they're okay. just hubs for that. You know what I mean? And it. I feel like I hear about it a lot. You'll meet a yeah. shitload of people there who have been traveling for five years or who, who have been it's living in Asia for five years. And it's, it's inexpensive. You can, you can stretch it for a long time. Um, I would just fly to Bangkok or Bali, go to, go to a hostel that's rated high on hostel world. You'll be out partying on the first night. And within a week, you'll meet so many people and you'll have so many options of where you can go. Cause when you're, when you're in Asia, it's just like the travel is so like dialed in and well-organized that it's like, Oh, you pay some dude 12 bucks. And the next thing you know, like you're on an Island seven hours away, you went on a bus, you really? went on a boat, you went on another bus and you're in some other cool hostel that has a different vibe. You hang out there, they just you know. hang out there for a week, maybe a week turns into a month or two. Or you meet some chick and then you go to some place that she wants to go to. But in Southeast Asia, you can like do it for a long time. There's cool history. I mean, obviously you need to check on the COVID stuff, but I mean, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, the Philippines, all inexpensive, all super cool. Um, you can get okay. into scuba diving for three days or for a week or whatever. Um, I, I am, I, go there. Uh, I am now we certified with scuba you diving. You should go dive. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a lot of fun. That you meet, it's you meet amazing else. people in the diving world and you'll meet a lot of people who have, who you could interview for this kind of thing, who are, will will be oh, fascinating. Yeah. We'll be like, you've been in Thailand for seven years and you grew up in Costa Mesa, you know? Talk about figuring out or people like, who fight, figure out what they want to do, like, right? Yeah, you're from Saskatchewan and you've been to 80 countries and done this and that. And like, it's, it, it's full of people like that. Asia. Less now cool. because of COVID, but I'm sure that a bunch of them figured out how to stay because people, they fall yeah. in love with it. And then they're like, this is my home. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. You fuck know? you. Yeah. I'm staying. I'm, I'm sure there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, yeah, bro. bro. Um, sweet. I love the insight. Yeah. Always love catching up yeah. with you. Do you have anything you want to plug or encourage people before we uh, get out Not of here? Not really. Anything you want to tell Not people? Not really, man. We could do this again no. in, in a few months. Maybe I'll have something then, but I'm going to take my time on okay. figuring out all that stuff. I'm just going to be uh, on the next adventure, dude. Love yeah. it, dude. That's what this life's about. Just one adventure after yeah. another. Well, I'll see you in December. Well, thanks, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Much love, brother. Yeah, dude. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, thanks for your time. Uh, you know, as we were just talking about how precious it is. You know what we should do? <laughs> um, you know what we should do? If if we don't up? do this again before next year on this date, you should put it on your calendar to okay. do it next year on this date. Next year on if, this day. I mean, maybe we want to do it before then, but just to not just to not procrastinate and just I just like to put stuff on calendars you want to do, you know. So it it might be okay. 
Yeah, do you want to send it me? It might be fun to do this again. We could do yeah, it. Just do it again in a year. Just same date. I think that'd Let's be kind of cool. Same date next year. All right. We'll see where we're at. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever planned something that far ahead, but yeah, let's. Uh, I'm down for that. That okay. sounds fun. Um, uh, yeah, let me just do like the signing off kind of thing, and then we can write okay, that down. Uh, uh, but yeah, dude. Again, thank you, Paul, for coming. Everybody appreciate you know for you listening for this to this uh, listening to this for this long. Uh, hopefully, you learned something about sailing or something about something you can try out or maybe something about basketball and yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like there's a whole load of information in here um, you can learn about. Uh, with that being said, if you did learn something, if you had these conversations before with people, please share. Um, I want this getting into like-minded individuals. It's how this grows, honestly, which is obviously important, but even furthermore, um, you know, it just spreads the word. I think that's more important to me. Um, yeah, again, I'm going to replug. Uh, let me know if you're interested in the digital course that I was talking about at the beginning with like helping people find their passion and their journey. Um, I'm going to put a Calendly link down in the uh, description below. So, you know, get in touch with me. Let's get something on the calendar, talk for 30 minutes about it. And other than that, let's grow together.